Before we begin this next part of our Torah study, let's pray together. <clears throat> Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This weekend, I'm thinking about the practice that we have of reading Torah and reading from the Torah scroll. And tomorrow morning, we'll have another Torah service live from the sanctuary. It will also be on Facebook Live. Reading from the Torah scroll as a congregation is actually very important. It helps us together to become familiar with the Hebrew text as well as the English. We listen to the readings together and we can allow the words to sink into our hearts. These readings give us something to think about. And that's why we pay close attention during the Torah service. Many traditional synagogues follow the pattern of reading the entire Torah portion and Haftor portion out loud for the day, chanting those. But that can be too much to take in, especially for people who don't understand much Hebrew. Our custom at Beth Israel is to select a few verses from the week's portion for a public reading in Hebrew and in English. This allows us to concentrate on some key thoughts and words. And we do the same in our readings from the Haftor. A few verses are read publicly and we focus together on them. The Haftor would be readings from the prophets and the writings, the rest of the Tanakh, the rest of what some would call the Old Testament, but we don't, it has a name, Tanakh, Torah, Nevaim and Ketuvim, Torah, the five books of Moses, Nevaim, the prophets, and Ketuvim, the writings. And together they form a kind of acronym, um, Tanakh. So we do the same in our readings from the Hof Torah. A few verses are read publicly and we focus on those. And we also do the same for our readings from the Brit HaKadoshah, which we read in Hebrew and in English. The Torah service is quite important to us as a Messianic congregation. This type of public reading with the associated Hebrew prayers and blessings is unique to Jewish congregations. Yeshua and Paul also, for example, made it a priority in their personal schedules to participate in the Saturday morning synagogue service, which included bringing out the Torah scroll and reading from the scrolls. And so you can understand that the pattern has great value for us to follow. Reading the Torah publicly has a long history, starting at Sinai with Moses, reading the words of the tablets and all the words of the Torah that the Lord gave him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tonight, I want to review with you three other examples of the public reading of the Torah in the congregation. We're going to start with Nehemiah, then we'll look also at Luke and the book of Acts. So let's start in Nehemiah chapter 8. The Jews have returned from exile and they're rebuilding their community life in the land of Israel. Nehemiah chapter 8, starting in verse 1. And it says, at that time, all the people gathered together in the square before the water gate in Jerusalem. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the Sefer Torah, the Torah scroll 
of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So they're bringing out Sefer Torah, and you can spell Sefer in English transliterated as S-E-F-E-R, and Torah, of course, T-O-R-A-H. It's good to know how to spell those. The, the Sefer Torah, the book of the Torah, but really it wasn't a book with the kind of pages that we now use in our uh, modern world, but it was a, a scroll with pages that were joined together and you would um, roll them from one page to the next rather than turn. And it tells us that, that Ezra was a scribe. He was a sofer, a, a sofer, a scribe. It's from the same root word as sefer, book or scroll, and sofer, scribe. Um, that was someone whose life work was to handwrite copies of the Torah scrolls. So they were uh, copyists of the manuscripts. And it was an esteemed position. The work was very exacting. It was uh, something that required perfection. And it took great training. It took discipline. It took concentration. It was passed on from father to son, typically, and it was a highly developed and highly valued skill. But interestingly, as we'll read shortly, not everyone could understand the Hebrew of the Torah scrolls, so they were always at risk of using Hebrew but not understanding it. And the same is true in modern times. It's useful, by the way, to build up your Hebrew schools. Uh, so that you can understand more and more. But it is possible for people who understand a little Hebrew to go to synagogue week after week and really not grasp everything that they are, uh, that's made available to them that is in Hebrew. Let's continue in verse two. On the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the Torah before the assembly of men and women and all who could listen and understand. And so Ezra read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in front of the men and women and those who could understand. So Ezra here is described as a priest. He's a Kohen. He, he's from um, Aaron's lineage. He's, he's not a Catholic priest. Don't have that image in your mind. He's not an Orthodox Christian priest. He, he is a Kohen. And the assembly is in Hebrew named Kahal. This is a gathering of the people, and it's typically for a holy purpose of some sort, but not always. And then there's another point that I think is really interesting. It's the men and women, it says. The men and women are together. And so here we have a case where men and women are joining together for learning, for instruction from the scriptures. Women aren't put in a second place. They are counted together with the men. Everyone who can listen and understand is part of this. It, it's, I think, an important, important uh, community value that all of us would learn the scriptures. Now, this, the passage continues, and it says, all the people listened attentively to the Sefer Torah, or as some translations have it, to the words of the law. It's an important detail. They listen attentively, active 
participation, listening carefully with your full attention, focusing on what you're hearing. That's what it means to listen attentively and then to think about, to, to get deep enough into your heart and into your mind that you can ponder it, you can meditate on it, you can contemplate it, you can consider what, is, what does this say? What does it mean? And what do I do with it? What does it mean to me? We'll skip down to verse five. Ezra opened the Torah scroll in full view of all the people, since he was standing above them all. And as he opened it, all the people stood up. And then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And with their hands lifted up, all the people said, Amen, Amen. And they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And I think this is interesting. Ezra starts by blessing the Lord. And what does it mean to bless the Lord? Well, one of the traditional Jewish uh, patterns is to say, Baruch, Baruch Adonai, blessed are you, O Lord our God. And that's actually a proclamation of God's nature. We're declaring that he is blessed. And, and in Hebrew, there's another, another nuanced idea associated with this. We're really making a declaration that God is the source of our blessings. You, Lord, are the blessing. You are praised, O oh God. And so the people lift up their hands. Isn't that interesting? They lift up their hands and they say, amen, amen. Their response to the prayed and declared blessing of the Lord, the bracha that Ezra makes, is they say amen and amen. But interestingly, they lift their hands up. And uh, that, that pattern of worship with hands lifted up goes all the way back to uh, the tabernacle days and to the temple days and the days of revival of Israel. It's part of Israel's historical pattern for worship. Hands lifted up are part of it. But then it says they bowed down or they bent their knees. They worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. That's interesting um, that they have these two different postures. One is like exalting the Lord and it's standing up and it's with hands lifted up. And then the other one is humbling ourselves before him and approaching him with humility. I, I think it's interesting that the people's bodies were used as part of their worship. They were participating kinetically or kinesthetically, choose your word, they, with activity, with, um, with movement, it's, it's just a fascinating part. They're not just sitting there. It's, it's not just navel gazing. They're not just getting quiet and withdrawing into themselves. They're expressive in their worship. Let's go to verse seven. The Levites, Yeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Yamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodia, Maasea, Kelita, Azariah, Yozabad, Hanan, and Pelea. These Levites instructed the people in the Torah as they stood in their places and they read from the Torah scroll of God, explaining it and giving insight so that people could understand what was being read. And explaining it also can mean translating it into the vernacular, the common language 
or it can also mean rephrasing it in order to make it understandable or to do both. And my understanding is that the Levites functioned as translators and, and they helped the people who weren't familiar with Hebrew to understand in their vernacular. Uh, this became part of our community tradition to read and to teach from Torah. And the Levites, that's my tribe, gave insight so that the people could understand both the meaning and the application of what was being read. And, you know, it's traditional in rabbinic synagogues to call up a Kohen and then a, a, a Levite, a Levi, uh, to bless part of the reading, to, to pronounce the blessing over the reading, because the total Parsha that's read is broken into different components in the uh, traditional synagogue. And so many times I've had the honor in different synagogues of being called up as a Levite in order to uh, to have the aliyah and the blessing prior to the reading. It's a, it's a great honor, and I always enjoyed that. Now down to verse 9. Nehemiah, Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to all of the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. And maybe some of you can, can put that in the comment section right now. We're reading from Nehemiah chapter 8, and it's verse 9. This day is holy to the Lord your God. This was a shared experience, and the people felt the holiness of God, and they were deeply touched. And I think it's interesting. The governor the Kohen, the scribe, the Levites were together in saying this. They, those who were leading the whole assembly had a shared sense of what was happening on that day, of its importance, and that it was holy. But then it goes on, and this next part is really interesting. It says, do not mourn or weep. And then there's an explanation for all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the Torah. That's so powerful. The word itself touched their hearts, and they were responding with mourning and with weeping. Very powerful moments for them, very emotional. You see, the words of the Torah have life, and they touch our lives. And the people were so expressive. So not only were they expressive with their hands or with their bodies bending down, but they were expressive with their voices from their hearts. And, and they were weeping and they were mourning. But here's what's also interesting. The people were instructed to constrain those particular emotions. And if you've ever been in uh, a congregational meeting where, where someone comes in and they're sort of out of sync with the rest of the folks, and they're like, ah, you know, they're weeping, and everybody else has a different response, uh, you can know how hard it is for someone to constrain their own emotions once they start expressing them to to reel them in and sometimes it's awkward or even uncomfortable for the people around them but interestingly for the leaders of of that gathering they said 
don't weep and mourn. But many people associate that kind of uh, deep response, you know, weeping response and crying. They associate that with seriousness, taking the word of God serious, seriously. And, and they feel that when they're expressing themselves in that fashion, that they are really being holy and honoring the holiness of God. But the scripture teaches us that that's not the only way. And in this particular occasion, there's a completely different way that becomes part of the pattern for us as a community. Verse 10, then Nehemiah, this is the governor, told them, Go and eat what is rich and drink what is sweet and send out portions to those who have nothing prepared since today is holy to our Lord. And, you know, that is during a holiday. Um, but he says, do not grieve. And here's why. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so this is a kind of celebration. Enjoy the day. Take Take comfort in the food that you have and take food to other people. Think about the needy. Think about those who don't have enough. Bring gifts of food. It's, it's a great community custom to bring food to people in need, but it's also a great custom to send food to people as a way of sharing the joy. Today is holy. That's what they're all saying and they're all recognizing but don't grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And take heart, allow yourself to be encouraged. Let's rejoice because we have Torah. That's what Nehemiah was trying to tell the people. And, and you know, later on, the followers of Yeshua would learn that the kingdom of God is not just about what you eat or drink, but it's righteousness and it's shalom, peace and it's simcha, it's joy, it's joy. You see, joy is something that is a treasure that God gives to us. We enter into his joy. You and I are called to experience joy, but what about when the world around us is so serious and so joyless? Yes, even so. We have to find joy. But what about it when it, things like, it seems like things are spinning out of control all around us? Yes, try to find joy. Verse 11 helps us see that it's not always easy. But look at what the Levites did. The Levites calmed all the people. And they said, be still, you know, like find quietness because today is holy and don't grief. The Levites calmed all the people. And this may help you understand me because I am a Levite. I'm, as a Levine, um, you know, my Hebrew name is David ben Beryl Halevi, David, son of Beryl, the Levite. My heart is to bring calm and peace to the people. Other people may be alarmed, but some of us need to focus on a calm, peaceful response. Verse 12, then all the people began to eat and drink, to send out portions, to rejoice greatly because, and I want you to take special note of that, 
because why because they understood the words that had been made known to them you see the people got it they didn't just listen and um and consider that what they said was just another public opinion you know some pundits comments but as they were listening to the reading of the scriptures they were hearing the word of God, but they were also hearing the, the leaders give direction to them, which they took seriously. They took it to heart. You see, the people got it. The, the, the people began to eat, and they began to drink, and they began to send out portions, and they began to rejoice greatly. Why did they do these things? Well, the scripture says because they understood the words that had been made known to them. They understood, they agreed with them, they accepted them, and they welcomed them. That's a kind of activity that is, I think, so very useful. There are blessings that you will receive when you have that kind of attitude about the direction and the words that we bring to you as leaders in this community. And take note also, action follows hearing. Understanding is expressed and confirmed through our actions. It could have just said, hey, they understood or they agreed, but it says more than that. They did what they had heard. They began to eat and drink and to send out portions and to rejoice greatly because they understood the words that had been made known to them. How do you know if you understand? It's if you take it to heart, if you can put it into words that other people can understand, and if you can do the very thing that you understand to do. That's the true measure of understanding. Just to be familiar and to know about is not enough. To hear the words but not do them, Yeshua said, you know, that's nothing. To hear and to do, this is our pattern. So that's the first history lesson I wanted to review with you. And now let's go to some new covenants and British Hadashah examples, starting in Luke 4, verse 16. Luke 4, 16. Could you put that in the comment section, some of you? It says, then Yeshua came to Nazareth, or Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And this is what I want you to emphasize. If, if you could write this in the comment section, it would be great for you. And hold on to this. As was his custom, he entered the synagogue on Shabbat, as was his custom. Yeshua went to synagogue on Yom Shabbat, and there he read from the prophets. Our Haftorah readings each week are largely from the prophets and also from the writings. So it was Yeshua's custom. If you want to be a true follower of Yeshua, you want to follow his patterns. To be a disciple means to do what he did in the way that he did it. And so it was his custom to enter the synagogue on Shabbat. And that has been, um, for many of us, a long-standing and highly valued custom. Of course, during these COVID days, we can't do that. Not all of us can. And we're looking forward to when we can. But there are ways of gathering in our era like you are doing right now, you know, on Facebook Live. This is a way of us virtually gathering together. And when you participate in the comment section, you stay in sync with us. And your words and, and your comments, your, your participation becomes harmonious. 
and it adds to and it makes it even more beautiful when you do this it's a way of virtually participating now it goes on and says when yeshua stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. You see, it was a scroll. He found a place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Remember, they did not have chapter uh, numbers in their uh, Haftorah scroll in their prophet, prophetic scroll. So they had to find the place where it's written. Now, sometimes during our services, our Torah services, and with the readings from the Torah and the Haftor, our readers have to find the place they need to read from. Have you noticed that? Well, for all you readers who, who do that, I wanna tell you, you're in good company. Yeshua had to find the place where it was written. And then he read from it. Then verse 20, he rolled up the scroll, he returned it to the attendant and he sat down. And um, notice also that Yeshua just read a selection, a short passage. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began by saying, today, this scripture is brought into fullness in your hearing. So here you have Yeshua participating in the Torah service as was his custom. Verse 22, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that came from his lips. And they said, isn't this the son of Joseph? They asked, and Yeshua said to them, surely you'll quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Do here in your own hometown what we've heard that you did in Farnahum, in Capernaum. Because, you know, he had performed miracles in Capernaum. And then he added, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I tell you truthfully that there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the sky was shut for three and a half years and great famine swept over all the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to the widow of Zarephath in Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. On hearing this, all the people in the synagogue were enraged. And just stop for a moment. Um, sometimes people don't like what we say. Same for Yeshua. I guess it goes with the territory. Verse 29, they got up, they drove him out of town and they led him, drove him, not in a car, of course. They pushed him and they led him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him over the cliff. But Yeshua passed through the crowd, and he went on his way. You see, Yeshua's destiny was not in the hands of the mob. They were treating him like he was false. They didn't accept him, but he didn't accept their plan. He passed through the crowd. He went on his way. And I, I bet his, I can imagine at least that his heart was pumping and his adrenaline was flowing, but he stayed the course. And so Yeshua continued in this tradition of attending Shabbat services, participating in the Torah service. And then I'm going to give you one more example from the New Testament, Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. It says they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. Verse 2, 
as was his custom. There you see it again, as was his custom. Paul went into the synagogue and on three Shabbats, he reasoned with them from the Tanakh, from the scriptures, as was his custom. He explained and proved that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This is verse three. This Yeshua I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he declared. So Paul, who was apostle to the Gentiles, continued in the Jewish tradition of the Torah service, the public reading of the scriptures. And those Jewish Thessalonians were interesting because they openly discussed what the scriptures had to say about Messiah. So that's some historic background to our own tradition of incorporating the Torah service into our Shabbat services. I hope you join us tomorrow, either live in the sanctuary or live in your own home. We'll be live streaming the whole service. I want to encourage you to follow our schedule of readings for each reading. Read in advance because it will help you get more out of each service. And then read again later and you'll develop a deeper understanding. It will help you not only get more out of the service, it will help you be more useful to other people and to give them more. And I can tell you this, often the readings are very timely. They'll cover something that's perfectly timed for you. A cycle of reading has developed over the centuries, which we also follow, and we supplement it with readings from the Brita Chadashah, the New Covenant. These aren't included in traditional rabbinic synagogues, just messianic synagogues. But often the Torah and the Haftorah readings have Messiah-centered content. And we like to emphasize these messianic themes in our synagogue. In the future, I want to go through the blessings and prayers that we use at our Torah service and then our Shabbat services. And so this series will have several parts. It'll develop over time. And I hope that you find it useful. Right now, we're going to close with Aaron's blessing. But first, would you consider standing with us financially if this live stream is a blessing to you? Or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information that you need can be found on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. So let's close with Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ya'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasem lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord guard and protect you. May he keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you, and may the Lord be gracious to you with all of his favor. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So from Rebison, Sandy, and me, I want to say Shabbat Shalom. Hope you can join us tomorrow for our Torah service. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. <laughs>